0: for checking out the Relentless podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, what's up guys? I'm so excited to close out week three of our series entitled My Story. And I just felt like, uh, anybody love movies? You love movies. You're a movie person. I am a movie person. I love movies. Whenever Christy and I first started dating, one of the first things I realized when we first started dating was that uh, Christy had never seen like I felt like any movies ever. Christy would joke that uh, her parents growing up were like Amish strict—that's what she used to call it—because her her parents were just like, man, y'all you you do not need all that stuff in your world. You don't need to see it, so they just didn't watch movies. So when when Christy and I first started dating, it was difficult because we we liked each other, but I, my family practically speaks in movie quotes. As a matter of fact, today we were driving, uh, I had to take her to the doctor and we're driving down the road or whatever. And like twice within a 30 second conversation, I made two references to movies, just random things that just stick out to me. You ever hear somebody say a word or a phrase and it immediately reminds you of like a lyric to a song or a you know, uh, or a scene from a movie, a line from a movie, and you just like blurt it out, and then the person next to you, if they know the movie or the song, totally gets the reference. But if they don't, they just look at you like a crazy person. Like, for instance, we're driving down uh, this neighborhood road by my house, and we passed Hamilton School, it's the middle school, I think. And my dad had this thing, there was this old 80s movie, I couldn't even tell you the name of the movie, but there was a character in the movie whose last name was Hamilton, and every time he would get yelled at by his boss, he would go, Hamilton! And so my dad growing up, every time he heard that name, would just blurt out Hamilton. And I had a teacher named Miss Hamilton. So every time I would say, yeah, Miss Hamilton said he would go Hamilton. And I can hear him in the other room. Just Hamilton. And that was the thing. So we're driving today. We passed by Hamilton Middle School. And I went, Hamilton. Christy's never seen the jo- seen the movie. So at first she was like, what is that? She thought it was like like the musical Hamilton. And I was like, no, that's Alexander Hamilton. That's not the same thing. I love movies. And you have to understand movie quotes. You guys have been around me long enough. I'll make movie references. I've learned to control it a little bit because I, I used to just be a crazy person that would blurt out movie lines and people would be like, that's weird. But if you've been around Christy or me, we do it with friends quotes or stuff like that. We say stuff all the time. Anyway, I love movies. And there's a specific reason why. That's, that's where this is going. It's going to play into our talk. So uh, the last couple of weeks in this, in this whole series... We've learned a couple different things uh, talking about my story. We talked about, in week one, actually, Christy talked, and she talked about how all of us have a what? Story. Good job, Brandon. So anyway, we talked about the first week how all of us have a story. We all have some sort of a story. Our life is our story. If you've ever met Christ, if you've become a Christian, if you've had an experience, an encounter with Jesus, that is a big, big part of your story. As a matter of fact, your story kind of shifts then, and it becomes... Less about you and all about him. That's the event that sparks the rest of your story from then on out. Christy did a good job with that. I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Last week we talked about, I talked about how uh, it's not enough to have a story. We got to know our story because until we really understand our story, uh, it's not only something that we don't fully understand until we know it and talk about it and process it, but we can't share it with others. We likened it to when somebody asks you to explain something or, or when somebody, we, we talked about it at Lyft, when you get back from Lyft and your parents say, how was Lyft? And you're like, really good. What was good about it? And you're like, "Ah, uh, God is good. You know, like there's good things that happen. You had an experience but until you take the time to go, well, what, what, what was really good about it? And verbalize that, put words to that, then you really don't you, you know you had an experience, but you don't know how to accurate, expl- accurately explain that. Wow, there were some words in there. Accurately explain that. And it's important to do that because not only does your story depend— do you need your story, but other people need it. This week, we're going to wrap up this week, uh, the whole series, with uh, the, the point that this week we have got to go from knowing our story to telling our story. And if Michelle's on it, it should say, Tell your story on the screen. There you go. Tell your story. 1 Peter, uh, in the in the New Testament, 1 Peter says it like this. I love this verse. It really speaks to what we're talking about tonight. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. The goal, if you're following Christ, if, you've, if you're doing this thing right is that people should notice something different about you in your behavior. If you're in school and you're walking around school and you're around people who don't know Jesus, and you know very quickly when you meet people in your class or you see people in the halls if they need Jesus, um, if you know Jesus and they don't, there should be a difference in your behavior. There should be a difference in how you act, in your attitude, in your lifestyle. Now, this isn't a conversation about acting like a Christian. It's not a behavior modification. You need to act a certain way. But it is a conversation in when Jesus is the focus of your life, when you're trying to be like Christ, it does adjust the way we do things. And that adjustment should look different than the majority of the world. So if you live for Christ and your life looks different than other people, people will notice. You notice what's different. you look around the room, you can notice the differences. If you're a guy and you walk into a room full of girls, you notice. If you're a girl and you walk into a room full of guys, you go, one of these things is not like the other's. Um, If you're whatever race you are and you walk into a room and you're the only of that race in that room, you probably notice. I don't see color personally, so it wouldn't be me at all. Don't know what you're talking about. But you know what I mean? We notice things like that. We, We are trained almost to notice differences. The same is true about our lives. More so, actually, because people, whether they know it or not, all people have a void in their life that is specifically designed for a relationship with God. We are designed, the way we were created as people, is to be in relationship, in communication with God. When we're not there, everything will feel slightly off. Now, we won't always recognize it. There's lots of people that don't recognize it, and they try to fill that void with lots of other vices, bad habits, all that kind of stuff, lifestyles that aren't healthy. And it all stems back from them trying to fill that void that was shaped specifically for Christ. All that to say some there are people in your life that notice. If you are living for Christ and like Christ, they will notice the difference. And when they notice, like Peter just said here, you're, you should be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you live that way. But I like that it points out at the very end, do so with the utmost courtesy. Because some people, you ever met a Christian that's not nice about it? Some Christians are jerks. Now, it's okay to say that because they are. Have you ever met one? You ever met a Christian that you're like, you are giving us all a bad name. Like, Anytime I see Westboro Baptist on something, I'm like, I mean, you got to kind of do Christian in parentheses because it's like, these that's a church that like pickets military funerals and stuff like that. There's absolute jerks of the Christian world. Every time I see these guys, I'm like, you guys give us a bad name. You're the reason people don't like Christians. You ever met somebody like that where you're like, you're the reason people don't want to come to church. I've met people like that. That's actually partly why I got into ministry was not to tell those people off, but to correct that because I think, Christianity, the relationship with Christ, is an amazing thing when done the way he designed it to. But that's off topic, and so we'll get back on. Um, The thing about good stories is we want to see ourselves instinctively as people. We want to see ourselves in every story. We always personalize them. If you watch a movie... We have this instinctive nature, we don't even have to think about it, where we see ourselves as the main character almost every time, especially if it's a hero or superhero, w- wizard, like any kind of a really super-powered type of character, we immediately see ourselves in that that place. If you're a dude, I guarantee you probably at one point connected with some sort of superhero or something like that or whatever because we just do that. Girls, it, I mean, it's not a gender thing, It just guys typically like flock to comic book heroes, but girls do too. And and I think you you guys have a a variety of things too um, that you flock to, but we all go towards these individuals. We put ourselves in that role. We can watch a movie and we're processing, not only do we immediately take the side of the main character because the story is being told from their perspective, almost always, even if they're a bad guy, have you ever watched a show where the main character is not a really great person, but you found yourself rooting for them somehow? Why? Because you instinctively put yourself in their shoes. You, you, you emulate kind of what they think, and you go, okay, I get their perspective. And it's weird how we do that. Instinctively, we personalize it. We put ourselves in their place. We think about how we would have handled what they dealt with. We find joy when they succeed, and we want those victories as our own. Uh, I can remember watching, like, uh, this is going to make my age obvious, but I remember watching Remember the Titans. Anybody ever seen that movie? We went to the theater as a football team to see that movie when it came out. And I can remember sitting in the theater, that end of the game, whenever he takes that end around and he's running down the sidelines for the touchdown, 50 of us are like, yes, yes, we're freaking out in the theater. Thank God it was just us. Because we are losing our minds in the theater. Why? Because not only did we want to see them win, but we kind of like shared in that victory. All of a sudden, we were a part of the Titans. People that were paid actors, a story that we never connected with. It was just like, yes, I want that. And, and it even, like, the next week, the next practices, we started finding energy from the Titans, and it was like, this is a made-up, kind of made-up story, but yet somehow we wanted their victory as our own. Um, and there's something about a good story that does that to us. It's in our very nature to connect with a story. So what I wanted to kind of look at throughout uh, the last couple of minutes we have here is there's some parts that make up a really good story, and almost every movie that that you would call, like, a really good movie Especially like the blockbuster kind of movies, are, have five elements in common. Five things in common that every movie has, or every good, you know, what I would say a good movie seems to have, um, and how it relates to us. So I want to talk about that. What makes a good movie or story? Number one, the first thing they all have is the orphan feeling. The orphan feeling. It's on the screen. The orphan feeling. Let me explain what I mean. Almost every superpowered or special character. Uh, either has no parents, they're a literal orphan, or they have absentee parents that aren't in the movie at all. Let me give you a few examples. Spider-Man isn't really Spider-Man until Uncle Ben dies, right? He kind of has the powers, but it's when Uncle Ben dies that he kind of is launched into the role of Spider-Man. Harry Potter, like, he's an orphan. He's, that's his whole thing. He is an orphan from the get-go. Batman doesn't become Batman until his parents get killed. That's the catalyzing, that's the 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 the... the I don't know. The the thing. That's the event, thank you, that sparks his transformation. Luke Skywalker doesn't become Luke Skywalker until his, parent, his uh, aunt and uncle are killed. He leaves the planet at that point. If you've never seen the movie, spoiler alert. Aladdin. Aladdin is an orphan. He's a street urchin. Anna and Elsa, their parents die. We identify with them. Snow White is an orphan, lives with dwarves. That's weird. We won't get into it, but all of these characters from whether it's Disney princesses or superheroes or sci-fi or wizards or Jedi, all of these main characters, even in the new Star Wars, Ray is what we I mean, she's an orphan. They, there's this recurring theme of orphans. And even in movies where they aren't technically an orphan, their parents are either distant or out of the movie. Look at Beauty and the Beast. She has a dad, but the dad is in about this much in the movie, and then he's gone. Never mind the fact she spends most of the movie with a weird beast dude. The dad is not there. Like, there's a lot of movies where that happens. There's a separation there. And this doesn't mean that movies are trying to tell you subliminally subliminally that you don't need your parents. What it does is it connects with us in a very, very deep way. Not because we're all orphans, although if you are an orphan or if you've got absentee parents, obviously you feel that. But it connects with us on a deeper level because all of those characters, when you say orphan, what you really mean is they feel out of place. They feel disconnected from the world they currently live in. Look at Harry Potter. If you've ever seen it, or if you've never seen it, he is an orphan. He lives with relatives, but from the very beginning, he feels out of place in that world. He feels like just something is off, like he doesn't belong there. A lot of these different characters, that's what they feel. They feel disconnected from the world around them. That's something that we all very much feel. Have you ever felt like you're in a group, you're in a room, you're in a place, you're whatever, the situation you're in, You Maybe felt out of place, like just what you were in wasn't right for you. Maybe if you're trying this whole Christian thing and you go to school, maybe you feel out of place there. You feel in the minority there because how you feel you're supposed to live and life is supposed to be like and what you feel like your purpose is is different from what seems like everyone else. And in a way, you're an orphan of that society. There's the reason that they go with the orphan mindset. It's because we all can connect to it. We all can feel like we are disconnected, like we don't belong in the world that we live in, And that stems all the way back from the Bible. The very first story about an orphan is Moses. Moses, from the very beginning, his mother gives him up. He's an orphan, and he goes to live with a family that is not his own. Um, the interesting thing is, is the orphan feeling, once we all feel that, all movies establish that, then they lead into the second part, which is the greater calling. So in any great movie, usually at the point that the main character finds out that they're, they're an orphan or they're dealing with that, then they find out that they are part of something bigger. Harry Potter finds out he's a wizard. Luke finds out his father was a Jedi. Disney princess Anna and Elsa find out that, or Anna or Elsa lets it go. You know, like they have, they all find out that there's something bigger than what they've lived or known up to this point. They find out they're meant for a greater purpose. And that purpose leads generally to a calling that, re, that requires them to leave what is familiar or what is safe in order to do what they're meant for. Moana. Moana knows the island. She can be on the island, but she knows that she's called for the ocean. Adriel was singing the song pre-service. I'm not going to ask her to do it right now because we'll we'll just break into song and we'll lose all our time. We'll sing it at the end. We'll do it for altar time. Adriel's going to sing uh, how far I'll go for the altar time. It's going to be great. Moana is a good example of this. The Lion King actually is a double example of this because Because he grows up, he knows his purpose. Everything the light touches is yours or whatever. He knows his purpose, but then he runs away from his purpose. And it's not until my favorite scene of that whole movie, remember who you are. And he goes back. He's like, yeah, I am a king. And he goes back. Why? Because he remembers he's not called to live in the wilderness with Timon and Pumbaa. He's called to be king. And so he goes back out to be king. Superman is a good example of this. If you've seen like Superman Returns, the whole monologue with Kal-El and how you're sent to those people, you'll make them a better people. You'll show them the light. Superman is all built on messianic Jesus imagery. So it's another reason why I love him, why he's my favorite. Luke Skywalker, same thing. It's not till the event where his aunt and uncle died that he, the whole movie, the whole beginning part of the movie, he talks about all he wants to do is get off that planet and go be a pilot, a star pilot. And that's what he does. But it's only after he leaves the familiarity, the safety of his world, that he realizes that there's a calling out there. Uh, Usually there's some sort of a sparking event. There's some sort of an encounter that forces them. Like I said earlier, Spider-Man doesn't become really Spider-Man until Uncle Ben dies. But once there is nothing left behind, they move forward, and it requires them to leave everything that they knew behind them. Uh, Again, this comes from the Bible. Every story really that, that does this now in modern movies, this all stems from the story of Abraham. Abraham was called by God, but in order to be Abraham, he had to leave where he lived. He had to leave the the nation that he lived in. And it was not until he did that he really fully realized what God had for him. Um, The greater calling is part two. That leads us into part three, the guide. Everybody say the guide. So once the hero leaves their home, they leave everything familiar. They set out on this journey to become whatever they were meant to become. They usually are met with some kind of a guide. Frodo met Gandalf. Obi Wan was Luke Skywalker. Dorothy in *The Wizard of Oz* met Glinda the Good Witch. Gave her the ruby slippers. The genie from Aladdin. Cinderella had the fairy godmother. They always come in contact with somebody who's wiser or more powerful that can show them how to become what they're meant to become. The guide helps them learn what is needed to move forward and be who they were meant to be. Now, for us as Christians, that's that's the natural like the first step would be like, oh, that's that's our youth pastor. That's our leaders. That's our mentors actually it 's not me in this case. it could be now i can 't help in this way, um, but ultimately i 'm not god i 'm the guy that can help you get to God, but ultimately, we believe as Christians and especially as, as a, as a spirit filled as, as we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe firmly believe and if you 've been in interns, most of you, a lot of you have you know this that God speaks to us on a daily basis, His voice actively is speaking to our lives, and he 's trying to communicate with us all the time. And when we learn how to tune into what he's saying, when we learn the the way in which he speaks to us, you can then hear the guidance of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, shaping you, honing you, helping you be exactly who you were called to be. The Holy Spirit is the guide in this, this parallel. And I firmly believe that if we can get to that greater calling point and get to a point, and you guys that are in interns have heard me say this all the time, that if we can hear the voice of God speaking in our life, if we... Actually, what it comes down to is if we take the time to daily find out what God is saying to us, you will find that the guidance will lead you to places that you never knew that you would be, but that you somehow knew you were meant for. That was deep, write that down. Anyway, so the guide, part four. Then once they have the guide, they start learning, they build, they go to then the challenge. In every great story, there's a challenge. They're doing great, they're learning their new powers, abilities, whatever. And then there's a challenge, there's conflict. Often they start out their new life and are met with some kind of difficulty or challenge. Sometimes in a lot of stories, this is the villain. This is where the villain comes in. Harry Potter doesn't, he gets halfway through his year and he meets and finds out about Voldemort. And that's the challenge. I know I said it out loud, watch out. Uh, Luke Skywalker leaves the planet and finds out about Darth Vader. Simba has to go back and face Scar. Like they all have some sort of a difficulty, a hurdle that they have to overcome. While they may be tempted to give up, it's only through facing that difficulty that they fully become who they were meant to be. Simba would not have been who Simba was meant to be if he didn't face Scar. He had to face Scar. He actually faces him, Scar tries to run away, and then he comes back and attacks him. It all comes down to he, ha- he had to face and defeat him. And it's the same with all these stories. And really, it's the same in our story. The biggest difference is we're not facing, you know, the devil. What we're facing is ourselves. We're having to face who we were. We're having to face our tendencies. We're having to face our bad habits, our, our bad nature, the, the side of us that wants to pull us away from what God has for us. We have to face that. And it's not until we face that that not only do we conquer it, but we realize what it is and who it is that God meant us and made us to be. After the challenge is, is conquered comes the final part of every great story, and that's the victory. After facing the challenge and the victory, they can celebrate the victory— or, I'm sorry, the villain— They can celebrate the victory of fully realizing what they were meant to be, and then typically movies just show you they're kind of living that way from then on out. That's kind of every great movie. Go back and watch and think about the great movies you like. They probably have those five things. Maybe not literally or exactly, but they're all themes that are in all great movies. They're all things that we identify. This is kind of the structure of it. really not even a movie, a great story. A lot of books are built this way. Stories and fables, things are all built this way. So Here's where we're going to pull this to a close and say, really, what does this mean for us? Because now we all understand movies better. Yay. The next time you watch a movie, you're going to be like, oh, they're an orphan. Weird. He was totally right. Oh, that's the calling. They, I heard it. There's the guide. They got a guide, you know, or a trainer or an elder or a mentor. Watch it. You'll see it in the movies. There's always somebody who knows the ropes especially if it's like a, and this is off track, but you ever watch like a movie where it's just like a high school movie or a teenage movie, but there's always that one kid that kind of seems like they know what's really going on. You know, watch, it's usually like, it's either a sidekick or a best friend or somebody that just seems to really have it all figured out. There's always something going on. And sometimes they make them to be comedy, like a, the, the funny person, but yet they somehow weirdly know what's going on. Sometimes they're an idiot but they weirdly know what's going on. And so it's just funny how they work that in. There's different varieties of it, but there's always these themes. Anyway, what does this mean for us? Everybody, anybody wondering that? You wondering that? Thanks. Thank you for asking, Jasmine. Number one, we're all orphans. We're all orphans. Let me explain that. All of us at some point in our life, maybe now, feel orphaned, feel out of place like we're strangers in the world around us. All of us have felt that way. Some of us feel that way a lot. Some of us feel that way occasionally. But all of us understand what that's like. 1 Peter in chapter 2 says it like this. But you are ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. There's that speak out for him again. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That's really good. I know, right? I almost wraps. I'm going to work that I'm gonna work that into a rap. I'll work that into a rap. I did write that down. Actually, for, actually Peter wrote that down, but it's okay. Anyway, I'm going to read it again cuz it was really good. But you are the ones chosen by God, reign it in. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference. He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Let me let me just, as an aside, I know I felt like I needed to have the, the rhyme hand in there. I don't know what that is. Um, if your life before you encountered Christ and after you encountered Christ is not night and day difference, question whether or not your encounter was legitimate. Now, I understand that not all of you were like, triple homicide, drug addicts, like, like the worst of society, and then you got saved and all of a sudden you're like a pastor. I don't mean it like that. I was nine when I got saved. I wasn't that bad of a nine-year-old. So there's not going to be a night and day difference like you were the worst of scum of humanity and now you're like an angel. But it, it should be a night and day difference maybe in, maybe in your heart, maybe in your attitude, maybe in the way you approach things. If it isn't, I don't want to tell you that you didn't have an encounter with Christ. I want to tell you that it's time for a new one. Because if you don't see a difference in your life daily and the lives of other people, especially other people that don't know Jesus, other than, well, they cuss a lot and I don't cuss that much, that's not a night and day difference, guys. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we believe in a God that speaks to us, that guides our lives, that works through us, that wants to do amazing things through our lives. And if you're not experiencing that, guys, it's time for a new experience. Maybe that's what tomorrow morning when you pray or tomorrow afternoon or Sunday or Wednesday, or whatever the next time that you choose to get into God's presence and, and just actually talk to him. Maybe that's what you ask for. Is, God, I need to experience you in a new way that makes a night and day difference from how I am to how I'm going to be. That was just a side note. We're all orphans. Number two, we're all called. Every single one of us have been called to a greater way of life. Again, this is not behavior. We're not, not, I'm not saying we're called to live better than everybody else. That's not what I mean. We're called to live a life that is driven by the love of God, the power of God. What would your life look like if your daily focus shifted from, well, I'm just going to go to school and do the things I'm supposed to do, to who today can I pray for and watch something miraculous happen? Who today can I have a conversation with and them change their heart, change their life. That doesn't mean that every person you talk to will have this salvation experience where they're weeping within five minutes and you're praying for them and they have an arm grow back. No, I don't mean it like that. But I do mean that every single person that you encounter when your life is guided and filled with Holy Spirit can walk away feeling better about themselves, feeling feeling empowered by love, feeling encouraged. What if, how many people do you meet on a daily basis that you think are dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, worry, self-loathing, suicide, you probably interact with people, maybe you even yourself are dealing with those things. What if those same people that you interact with that are dealing with anxiety, depression, stress, anxiety, or I said anxiety, but anxiety, having anxiety about saying anxiety, suicide, all that kind of stuff. What if those same people that you interact with that are experiencing those things you interact with them, you encourage them, you instill joy and love and patience and goodness and all those amazing things that come with the Holy Spirit into their life, and it changes them from suicidal to non-suicidal. All of a sudden, in your in your presence, in your conversation, their anxiety seems to lessen. There's a peace about you that, for whatever reason, they just like talking to you because it calms them down. Guess what? Not only does that improve their quality of life because they interacted with you, they're going to eventually ask why you're different. And guess what you've got? An opportunity to tell your story. That's good, right? Thank you. That's not where I'm done. I got two more points, so let's just wrap it up. Uh, We're all called. Number three, we need a guide. You need a guide. If you are not guided regularly by something towards Christ, you're like Frodo just wandering in the wilderness If you don't like Lord of the Rings, pick another metaphor, but like, pick another metaphor. All of us need a guide. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. Can I say this? And this is going to sound harsh, but let me say it and then back it down. If you're not regularly praying and talking to God what are you doing with your life? And here's why I say that. And and look, I don't mean that you get up before sunrise every morning and have three hours of time with God. I don't. I don't even mean that you get up every day and have time with God. For me personally, I wish every day I got up and just said, God, talk to me. I wish I was that. I'm not a morning person. I get about three cups of coffee and before I even know how to make sentences and words go together. So I get it. I'm right now, I try to shoot for five out of the seven days of the week. I'm going to try and talk to God before I do much of anything else. Now, I'm going to get up, I'm going to take a shower, brush my teeth and all that because I have to be alert. But I'm trying right now, personally, five out of the seven days a week. Do I always get five? No. Some days, some weeks, I've only gotten two. This is real talk. That doesn't count doing this, like, message stuff. That, to me, is separate. That's something I have to do. This is something I, well, I should do. But wherever you're at now, get a little bit better. They're wrapping up, so I'm going to wrap this up. Get a little bit better. All of us need a guide. Number four, it will be a challenge. All of us will face difficulty, but the difficulty does not deter us. It confirms that we're on the right track. And without that difficulty, you can't get to the victory. John 16 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace with me. Here's the part I want you to catch. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. This is Jesus talking, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Number five, last point. We all win. We all win. All of us can experience the victory. All of us can experience this amazing opportunity of being co-laborers with God, of working hand-in-hand in tandem with what God wants to do in the world. God wants every person in this world to know him, to be changed by him, to be healed by him, all that kind of stuff. But God doesn't just say from heaven, you know what, I want this person to be healed, they're healed. No, he is limited by our actions, or our inaction. God says, I can do anything, but I choose to use you to do those things. So there's people who won't get healed if we don't allow God to work through us. There's people who will never get prayed for if we don't pray for him. There's people who will never know God if we don't take the opportunity to tell them. Think about that. So last thing I'll say here in closing is, you probably personalized everything I just said. You put yourself in the shoes. You felt like, oh, he's talking to me. He's totally on on board with what I'm saying. Um, Like, yeah, I feel all those things. And that's true. I'm glad that you personalized it. But it's also true for others around you. You all have a story. We learned that over the last couple of weeks. But also we learned that other people are depending on your story. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe you've got younger or older siblings. And they watch you. You don't know that they watch you. You don't know that they're necessarily leaning on you. But I guarantee you they are. Maybe you've got friends that know you go to church, know you believe in this whole Jesus thing and they're watching to see if it's making a difference in your life or if it's worthless. Maybe you've got just random people. I know my kids watch most of you guys. They know you. They know what you're into. They try to dress like you sometimes. And, uh, And they do. They watch you. People are needing, are interested in your story and they need it. By telling your story to others, they can not only hear your story, but they can identify in your story like that hero's journey movie, they can identify with your journey. They can put themselves in your shoes and they can be inspired to experience the victory that you've experienced. So the two things you've got to ask yourself as we wrap this up are, where are you in your hero's journey? And who else needs to hear your story? Because somebody does. Let's pray. Bow your heads. God, we thank you for the The journey that you have each of us on. God, we thank you that we get to be involved in what you're doing in this world, that you very easily could have just intervened, stuck your hand in the middle of our business, and changed everything at the flick of a wrist, God. But you choose to use us to connect to people, to use us to influence people, to speak to people, to change lives around us, to bring healing to people, to bring restoration to people, to bring peace to people. God, you use us to do all that. You require us to do that because that's the design that you set up. It was through your son that you entered this world, that you impacted this world, and it's through us that your Holy Spirit does the same. God, I pray that each and every one of us tonight maybe would walk away feeling a little bit um, feeling a little bit of, of conflict, feeling a little bit of questioning. What is our story? What What kind of experience have we had? What's our journey with you been like, God? And I pray that each of us would be driven to move to a new phase. God, if we haven't experienced you ever, I pray that we would walk away from this knowing that we need to. If we haven't experienced you, that day and night difference, like it said in 1 Peter, God, in a while, God, then help us to find that new experience, that new encounter with you that will change things day to night again. God, and if we have, and we're doing a great job living for you, God. And I pray that we would find those around us that you have put in our lives that need to hear our story, that need our intervention into what they are seeing and doing on a daily basis, God. Use us, Lord, as we are willing, as we're um, introspective and in learning our stories, God. Use us to share with those around us and, and do what you want to do, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more from relentless, hit subscribe or check us out on Instagram or Facebook.